0: First, though, talking about who should be at the top of the list when it comes to COVID-19 vaccinations. And we heard from the federal government earlier today, more doses of the Pfizer vaccine coming. So certainly more supply. Will that have an impact on who gets the shot and when? Ralph Kaisers is joining us now, president of the Vancouver Police Union and the BC Police Association, to talk more about frontline workers. Ralph Kaisers, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? And uh, we have been told at this point, uh, B.C. going, as we know, through the age groups, the most vulnerable, uh, when AstraZeneca is available, it will likely be offered up to frontline workers, although we don't know exactly how that's going to work. What are your thoughts about when police officers should be getting vaccinations?
1: Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, you know, obviously our thanks goes to the federal government the decision to prioritize the distribution administration of uh, the various vaccines to those uh, Canadians that are most vulnerable. Um, Also, at the federal government level, you know, they've uh, consulted and they have the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, and within that uh, committee, they recognize that policing as a first responder in ensuring public safety should be a part of the uh, phase two of the vaccination rollout. Now, what we've seen here in the province is obviously, uh, you know, uh, our most vulnerable, marginalized communities, by all means, yes, they have to be vaccinated. Uh, We are part of phase three. And then there was this category of essential services uh, should more vaccines become available. Now that those vaccines are available uh, as first responders, as police officers, uh, we do feel that we should be top of line Uh, for uh, the vaccine, given that they're now bringing in, if you want to call it extra vaccines, or there's more of an abundance of vaccines, uh, that we should be getting those vaccines in a timely fashion. Uh,
0: Do you have numbers or do you know as far as the numbers of police officers who have contracted COVID-19 or what the transmission has been like?
1: Uh, I don't have the exact numbers from each of the uh, individual municipalities, nor do I have the information from the RCMP, that then uh, police the rest of the province, but specific to Vancouver, I do know that we have had 30 members test positive. Uh, uh, quite a number of other members have been symptomatic, and more importantly, and I guess what that equates to is a lot of times when someone does test positive, uh, you know, given that they work in a patrol team or an investigative team or wh- where specifically they work in the department. It then, by way of contact tracing, uh, causes uh, other members to then have to isolate and stay away from work. We have lost uh, 1,650-plus shifts uh, at the Vancouver Police Department because of COVID. Uh, So, And I think this also highlights the need as to why uh, our members should be uh, vaccinated because, um, you know, obviously we're out and dealing with the general public quite often, uh, and uh, they, too, become vulnerable if uh, our members are sick. Uh, there is the potential for us to transmit the virus to those people that we're dealing with. Uh, we do, we don't work in a sterile environment. We, you know, a lot of our members uh, cannot work behind a shield, behind a mask, behind gloves. And quite often we are working among the vulnerable and the marginalized uh, population and physically have to go hands-on and don't have the ability to, uh, you know, don a proper PPE or shield mask, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Uh, It's interesting you say that because uh, I know that uh, I'm going to get email from people hearing this, and I've had email uh, and, and questions from people before who have seen police officers in the public not wearing masks, and they often ask, well, why aren't these officers wearing masks or wearing PPE to protect themselves?
1: Well, and again, I can't speak to the specific circumstances. Uh, and again, our members have been good as far as the rules go, social distancing. I know uh, there was a news article a couple of weeks ago about some members that weren't wearing masks and people made issue of the fact uh, that they weren't wearing masks. But the reality is they were outside and they were all six feet apart from one another and literally were just waiting to get their coffee. Um, so we do have rules in place within the department. I know WorkSafe. Uh, sets very strict uh, rules around uh, employment in the workplace. Uh, And we have those rules within our own organization and our members are adhering to them.
0: Uh, So have you heard anything at this point uh, as far as essential workers and frontline workers and where police officers might fall in the vaccination dole out?
1: I have sent an email to government, specifically to police services, with our statement from uh, the joint statement from the Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police and the Canadian Police Association, and I am uh, awaiting a response from them. And I'm hoping uh, that police services certainly will be advocating for policing in this province when they have their discussions with the Public Health Office.
0: And would police officers, do you think, be okay with being in the AstraZeneca group in that what we've been told once we get that, rather than put it into the, the older ages, they would offer it up to frontline workers?
1: Um, And again, I think part of that's going to be a personal choice for individual members. Uh, I know I will wait until our frontline members get whatever virus vaccine is going to be uh, administered uh, because our frontline members need it before anyone else. And I'm quite confident that the other members within our organization, depending on what roles they play, will wait for our frontline members to get a vaccine first. Uh, If you told me tomorrow I could get the AstraZeneca virus and it was my turn to get it, I would get it. Uh, I know there's some controversy around how efficient it is, uh, the cl- clinical trials, lots of rumors and speculation around uh, it only being 60% effective. But uh, my understanding is as well that the research that actually came out of the real life uh, administration of the vaccine proved that it was actually in the 90s. So, um, as I say, I will take what vaccine the government's going to provide us, and I would think most of our members would as well.
0: And just to clarify, then, when we're talking about essential workers and frontline workers, would you put police, uh, say, in the same group as firefighters and paramedics? Or do you think there's a kind of a should there be a line that that to, on who gets the, the vaccine first?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring it up because paramedics are and were remained part of phase two. Uh, And the explanation that I got uh, was that they specifically, you know, exposure time by way of uh, times that they spend uh, waiting in hospital was part of the reason why our brothers and sisters in EHS were getting the vaccine before police and fire. Now, what's interesting, and it's certainly from the Vancouver perspective, it's many a times that uh, our police officers, uh, you know, they're wrestling with a suspect, uh, the person's uh, suffering from a mental health crisis. Uh, We are hands-on with that uh, person that's vulnerable, uh, potentially contagious, may have the virus. Um, You know, do we have a mask on? Has it been knocked off our face because we're wrestling around with the person? EHS does attend. Uh, They will do the transport to hospital for us. Uh, They've all donned their PPEs before dealing with the client, uh, transported to hospital, and then it's ultimately we as first responders, as police officers, that then uh, await uh, with the client in hospital uh, before they're admitted into hospital. So our members do spend a lot of time in hospital along with ambulance. Um, You know, our brothers and sisters in uh, fire services, uh, they quite often roll up to scenes uh, not knowing as well what exactly they face. Um, You know, all three of us as public safety personnel uh, do not work in the most clinical environment and we cannot predict exactly what it is that we're going to face when we attend any call.
0: Right. So, so do you think it's it's incorrect then that paramedics are in Phase 2 and police aren't?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that ambulance and EHS attendants are in Phase 2. Uh, I think police and fire should have been included in Phase 2 as well. Uh, obviously, the Public Health Office has its reasons and its explanation as to why that didn't happen. I I don't necessarily agree with that, though.
0: All right. Uh, Ralph Kaisers, we'll have to leave it there uh, for today. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. Thank you. Well, coming up a bit later on in the program, we are going to talk to the dog owner in Ann Moore. What an absolutely horrible and awful thing to go through when he was out walking uh, the German Shepherd puppy and struggled, tried to save his dog, but it was taken away by the cougar. He's going to join us a bit later on in the program. Right now, we are taking a look at the very latest. It seems like there's something new every day when it comes to scams and people trying to scam others. This latest one? deals with the impersonation of Amazon. And joining me to talk more about this is Carla Laird, the manager of community and public relations with the Better Business Bureau. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me and hello to your listeners. Uh, So not not a new scam that someone is impersonating another company, but impersonating Amazon seems pretty bold. What are they doing?
2: Yeah, so we've been seeing a series of impersonation scams concerning Amazon literally since the start of the pandemic. If it wasn't the emails or delivery scams or something connected to Amazon, it was a whole new other thing. And so this new one is a text where you are receiving a text to say that you have won a prize in a raffle that Amazon was hosting and you need to click on this link that is included in the text message to arrange for delivery of your prize. But we know, based on our investigations, that the link is is malicious. It's taking you to a website that's controlled by scammers where they're collecting information that people submit thinking that they're actually going to be getting something from Amazon
0: in return. And do we know what are they doing with that information? Well, so
2: depending on where your, your link takes you, we've seen where it asks for your name, it asks for your home address, it asks for your email. And in some instances, it's even asking for payment information or login credentials for your Amazon account. And that's data that they can take for you to further identity theft. It's information they can use to get access to your Amazon account. It's information that they can use depending on the payment method you provided to purchase other um, items or purchase other services that allow them to facilitate other scams.
0: Hmm. Uh, it seems a little different in this case, too. I've had some of the ones saying there's an issue with your Amazon delivery or the, your Amazon package or this. And I've realized I'm not actually waiting for anything right now. So clearly, this is a scam. This isn't a legitimate email. But in this case, I guess they're working on, on the, the working idea that so many people use Amazon that by sending this out and saying you've won something through your account, they might catch more people. Yes, and that is exactly
2: why they've selected this specific um, organization or or this specific brand to to target for the impersonation. Because almost everyone, if you're thinking about it, has Amazon, has an Amazon account, is an active Amazon customer, and they've done the similar kind of strategy with Netflix. Many people are using the streaming service for you know their entertainment at home, and so if they're sending a, a text message or an email that seems to be coming from Netflix, you're likely to take a second look because. You are probably an active member or an active customer for that for that company.
0: Are there specific numbers that people should be looking for as to where these text messages are coming from?
2: Yes. So locally in our BBB, we have received several reports on BBB Scam Tracker with two specific text no um, two specific phone numbers. Um, so they're seven one four eight eight three 714-883-6385 and a 714-507-5880. But there are other numbers that are being utilized as well by these cons. So I would pay less attention to the number and more attention towards the messaging that's being communicated to you. So if you're seeing something about a text from Amazon, you see where there is a strange link included and they're telling you that you've won a prize, Or even if it's not Amazon, if it's a case where you're being told you've won something, you're seeing a suspicious link, or you're being threatened with punishment if you don't act now, or it seems to be coming from a brand or a company that you recognize, but you're not expecting that communication
0: from them, treat it as a red flag. And what should you do then if you get one of these text messages and you're pretty sure it's a scam?
2: If you're pretty sure that it is a scam, or even if you're not sure, the first thing I would say is don't click on any links that are included in that text message. You want to verify from the company itself. So if you're seeing where they're using Amazon's name in the text message, reach out to Amazon. Go go into your log into your Amazon account, contact customer service there to find out if there is any truth to this prize or to this. Um, information that you're seeing in the text message. If you're being told if you don't want to receive any more communications, click stop or no. I would avoid doing that either because it would communicate to the scammer if that's the case that the number is active and then they'll probably try to p- perpetrate other scams because they know someone is likely to be receiving the information on the other end. And at the end of the day, just think before you click, make sure you're not making decisions in a haste, make sure you're not getting too excited by what you're, you're seeing. Take time to verify, take time to confirm and that will help you to avoid any kinds of text messaging coming your way because at the end of the day, if you haven't subscribed or given permission for a company to be texting you and you're getting text messages from them, that is a huge red flag and you should avoid you know, following through with whatever is being asked.
0: And what if you have clicked on it or maybe you have a loved one who is concerned because they've clicked on it and you think that maybe you have inadvertently let them have access to your information? What do you do at that point?
2: So if you have clicked on the link and you've shared information, so you've gone to the website, you've submitted details, press send, and that data is being shared with the scammer, whatever um, you have shared, you can consider it compromised. So if it's your Amazon login information, you're going to need to change that right away. If you shared your credit card information, you're going to need to reach out to your bank and ask them to cancel that card and reissue a new one that the scammers have no information for. And if it's a case where you shared social insurance numbers or any of that kind of super confidential information, you're going to need to reach out to Service Canada to let them know your data has been compromised and they will walk you through the next steps uh, so how to um, secure your your personal information from ident- further risk of identity theft. And if it's a case where you actually clicked on the link and you're, you're, you haven't submitted information, you could still be at risk. And so that means you're going to have to do a sweep of your phone to make sure that there are no malicious um, software that was secretly downloaded without your knowledge. So you want to make sure your device itself is safe. Because if we think about what we use our phones for, we have our financial accounts there, we have our our passwords saved on some of our devices or photos, all of those things, you don't want to put those at risk and at the end of the day as well you want to make sure you are sharing that um, experience with BBB. So report it to us on BBB Scam Tracker so we can come on and warn others and help to keep everyone safe. Uh,
0: If you figure that you have shared your password, and in this particular scam where they're impersonating Amazon, if you give them your Amazon password, uh, is it safe to think that they are going to get access to your credit card if your credit card and that information is saved in your account?
2: Well, so if you have shared your Amazon logging information, they would be able to access the account. They would be able to make purchases in, or could possibly make purchases, especially if it's a case where they're um, trying to just send it to an address that is already stored in your account. So there are instances where we've seen reports actually where the scammer has made a purchase using the person's credit card that was stored into their account. They send the package to the individual's house but lay wait the package. So they stand outside waiting for it on the date supposed to be delivered and because Amazon has held to narrow the scope of when the package is coming to a certain amount of hours, they would actually stand out there and collect the package and you have no idea that it came.
0: So those are
2: some of the strategies that they're utilizing as well.
0: All right. Always good to try and stay one step ahead of the scammers. Carla, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing this with us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, in the United States, a group of senators have unveiled a bill that is an effort to make daylight saving time permanent as more and more states try to end the moving of the clocks every year. And this is something that we have been talking about in this province as well. And Premier John Horgan at a Media Availability earlier today was asked about that and about whether or not this will be the last time British Columbia Spring forward. So the
1: Canadian ambassador understands our position she's working with the congressional delegations from the three western states and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to make progress uh, before the fall uh, when we would be scheduled to fall backwards but for now my message to British Columbians is we're springing forward.
0: And that comes again while we're seeing a number of senators. So far, 15 states in the U.S. have the Sunshine Protection Act of 2021. Taking a look at that, it is a call to end the practice of clock changing. It was introduced on Tuesday by this group of senators, and it would mean that daylight saving would go ahead, but the states would not have to fall back again come November. Uh, If you look at a couple of states that don't do this already. Hawaii, parts of Arizona do not. And in California, it's also being talked about. That's something that the premier talked about also saying that BC isn't prepared to really go about this on their own. It needs to be something that's done down the coast to Oregon, Washington, California as well to make it workable, seeing as we do so much trade with the United States. Well joining me now is uh, Tara Holmes, who is from the group Stop the Time Change BC. Tara, thank you so much for being with us. Oh well, thank you so much, Jill for having me. appreciate it. Uh, what are your thoughts seeing as we are now uh, on the weekend where we spring forward and still really have no clarity <laughs> on uh, whether how long this practice is going to continue?
3: You know, I I roll my eyes when I hear, you know, everybody says they're going to do it if somebody else does it too and my thoughts honestly are I really think it's time uh, Mr. Horgan has shown amazing leadership during the pandemic and I think that he can just carry that through because of course he has legislated the bill uh, to stay on the daylight permanently and wouldn't it be great leadership to say we are going to do this like Sandy Silver did up north um, and say let's stay on DST and I guarantee the rest of the country will follow and yes Jay Ainsley and Washington State will follow at some point as well. And when you said we do trade with them, we do, but My goodness, you know, business is done 24-7 online now. And for a little while, I don't think it would really matter that much being an hour different.
0: Yeah, the only person I really, every time we talk about this, uh, my my dearest friend lives in Bellingham, but works in Vancouver. And it's different now because of the pandemic. But when things get back to normal, we've talked about it. I think she's the only person I know that really would have an issue with it because she'd be going from one time zone (laughs) to the other if they were different. But I don't think she's factoring in to John Horgan's decision-making process uh, on this. Uh, do you right. care which, which time we stayed in? Because that's another uh, contentious issue. A, a lot of uh, sleep experts will say if you're going to pick one, standard time is the better one to pick.
3: Well, that's because Standard Time was the very first time ever. And when my co-founder and I, and it's it's actually not a group, there's two of us here in Kamloops. When we started this movement five years ago, we didn't care. And we don't. Uh, We just know we want the time change stopped. But the majority of British Columbians really do want it on DST. But something that needs to be understood here, and, and a lot of people think that we change the clocks every six months. We don't. In fact, the, the most surprising thing about this is for a total of about eight months, we're already on DST. It's only about four months that we go into standard. Our bodies are already used to DST. And another thing that has changed a lot is lifestyle. I mean, when they first brought daylight saving in, it was nothing to do with farming. It was obviously to stay, save energy for the war. Some people think it had something to do with farming. But, um, you know, in the, in the big picture of things, lifestyle has changed. And I don't know any parents out there, correct, if I'm wrong, hey, I'll admit it, but I haven't met any parents out there that wake their children up Early to go to school, early, early to go out and enjoy some daylight before school. It doesn't work that way. Parents are like, "Get up and get your homework and get your bags. Let's get to school." It's after school when you want that daylight because they're walking home at different times between three and six because they've got basketball or debate club or you know extracurriculars, and that's when that darkness is thrown upon us. That is when it's dangerous. So we're already used to the DSD. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, it makes sense. And and if you do any polls, you'll find that. But maybe one in 10 people pick standard.
0: Hmm, interesting. I, I, I get what you're saying about parents. Uh, the only thing I've heard when we've, we've talked about this, as we have many times on the show before, uh, some parents would raise the issue of the early morning. If it's then going to be dark when kids are walking to school, then does that bring in a new level of danger with cars on the roads and, and people on the roads and walking to school or cycling to school when it's dark?
3: I'm so glad you brought that up because this is something that we learned. An actual thesis study was done on this uh, from a professor at a university. And the interesting thing about this is I want you to think about when you drive to work in the morning. When you think about that, you're at your best. You've had a great night's sleep, well, hopefully, but your, your phone's not pinging with all sorts of distractions. And you know that kids go to school at the very same time every morning. So that's that. And most parents, let's face it, they're dropping off their kids, they're driving them to school. It's when you come home after. After school, that's when the kids are coming home at different times way more dangerous. Distracted drivers are out there and when you leave work you're distracted. You've had your head in your computer all day. Your phone is pinging. Maybe you forgot something at work. Your 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 mind is everywhere. Roads are dark and wet and suddenly there's pedestrian incidents and it's no joke that there's all these ICBC claims the Monday after the time change. So it is you know, one of those things. That's the one thing. And that is, it's a good argument for sure. Um, but kids much prefer to be home not in the dark, especially when they start staying home alone after school at that sort of 11 and 12-year-old age, uh, they get nervous when it's dark, when darkness starts. So, um, overall, the the majority want daylight and let's face it, once it happens, we're not going to argue about it anymore. I mean, everyone, people in Saskatchewan laugh at us. We're John is laughing at us right now, having this conversation, because they stopped touching their clocks years ago, and they can't believe that we're still talking about this. And Sandy Silver, finally, I, I have a a friend in radio, he does the morning show up in Whitehorse, and they've been on daylight for a year now, and uh, they say, yeah, no problem. So once it happens, we're going to be okay. People just don't like change, but once it happens, this conversation will finally come to an end. I mean, think about it. Every Twice a year we talk about it, and pretty soon, hopefully, we won't be. And I know COVID happened, and it was the biggest priority for sure, and I'm pleased that Mr. Horgan did what he did. But ironically, it would have been the perfect time to try stopping the time change. His planes weren't in the air, more people were at home, mental health, it really would have been the ideal time. So I know he plans on, um, you know, stopping it at some point, and I just hope he doesn't feel he has to wait for Washington State, uh, because that'll happen. And Ontario and Quebec have it on the table right now as well.
0: Well, Do you think, uh, now that we're seeing uh, this group of Senators in the United States, they've come forward saying, yeah, let's do this, let's, uh, what is it, the, the sunshine Protection Act of 2021. Uh, Might that offer up some more or push the premier to say, hey, look, other people are doing this and are going ahead with this. Let's get it done.
3: Oh, yes. The more, the merrier. I love hearing this. And in fact, um, there's um, a young lady out of Ontario who's, who's got a petition going, and she couldn't believe how many people uh, were on board with us all in such a quick time. And we, I want our supporters to help her, because the more that do this, then the more argument there is to say, look, there's more countries in the world that don't observe the time change than do. And when Turkey abolished their time change about six years ago, they had this great response. That's why it's really nice to talk to the jurisdictions that do Don't observe the time change and see what were the things, the kinks that had to be worked out and and what happened during that time. But, yeah, the more that bring it up, like, let's face it, this is going to happen at some point. It's just (laughs) who's going to be the leader? Who's going to do it?
0: You know, and I'm hoping John Horgan will do it. We shall see. Uh, Tara Holmes, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. Thank you so much and have a great weekend. Well, this is a very sad story, and you might have heard this on the news. Last night in the Ann Moore area, a puppy, a three-month-old German Shepherd dog, Diaz, was snatched by a cougar, and it is presumed that Diaz didn't survive the attack. And joining me on the line right now is Diaz's owner, Isaac Heisler. Isaac, thanks so much for being with us.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: I'm so sorry what happened to you and for the loss of your dog.
4: Yeah, thank you. I know it was, uh, it was quite the attack on myself and Diaz. Yeah, uh,
0: can you tell us a bit more what happened, mm-hmm. where you were, and how things unfolded?
4: Yeah, so I was on uh, Sunnyside Road in Amor, So uh, people that aren't familiar, that's that's the main uh, the main road in Amor. Um I just live uh, a few homes off uh, Sunnyside, and that's about 500 feet from my house. Uh, walking down the street, uh, taking them for a little walk before bed. Uh, and at 7.20, um, I was attacked by a cougar, and the cougar fought me for about uh, 45 seconds. And uh, I was uh, knocked down to my back, and uh, it resulted in uh, the cougar taking Diaz.
0: And it's so rare, I know, to have an attack like this and to have an interaction like this. This this must have come as a huge surprise to you as this uh, suddenly you realized you were here on that road fighting with a cougar.
4: Super surprising yeah you know I've I've lived in Amor my whole life uh, I you know I have a huge appreciation for the wildlife um, but uh, yeah when you're you know my dog was on a leash uh, th- three feet away and uh, you know when you're uh, fighting a dog that's that, uh, fighting a cougar that is that close it is incredibly uh, scary.
0: Uh, I'm looking at a picture uh, of you and Diaz, and what a beautiful, beautiful dog. And I think people might be surprised at how big. Uh, we say puppy, but, but he was a fair size, three months old. Uh, d- did he fight back, or did you get any sense as to if he was injured or what happened?
4: Yeah, so like I said, I was walking down, down the road. He was a fair size. Uh, he was three months old, uh, but he was a German shepherd. He was uh, purebred for uh, search and rescue and um so he was about 22 pounds and um and they got him kind of on the neck uh he came up grabbed him on the on the neck and uh just did not let go until uh he did let go the cougar made an attack on myself I was able to kick it and uh and then there was a little bit of slack in the three foot leash and that was just enough for the cougar to to take him
0: are you injured at all
4: uh, no, I am thankfully not. Uh, I, I thankfully am uh, got out of it okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: you mentioned he was going to be a search and rescue dog. I understand you are a volunteer as well with the Sassamat Volunteer Fire Department and Coquitlam Search and Rescue. And uh, from what I, I'm, I gathered, this was a dream of yours, was to raise a search dog.
4: That's correct. Yeah, I've been with the Sassamat Fire Department since uh, uh, 2017 and I've been uh, with Search and Rescue, with uh, South Fraser Search and Rescue and Coquitlam Search and Rescue. I started when I was uh, 15 years old, and uh, since I've been a volunteer in British Columbia, um, I've always wanted to be a canine handler. That was a big dream of mine.
0: Well, hopefully this, uh, I know it must be devastating having just gone through this, but hopefully uh, at some point you'll be able to fulfill that dream uh, again. Uh, How long had you had Diaz?
4: Um, I've had them about five days. I just picked them up uh, from a breeder that breeds for working dogs in Alberta. So I just uh, just returned home uh, from last weekend uh, picking them up.
0: Hmm. And like you said, you lived in this area. You're born and raised in this area. Have you ever seen cougars around or, or, or had encounters with aggressive cougars?
4: Uh, I have had one encounter with a cougar uh, when I worked uh, briefly at Bunsen Lake in Amor. I did see a cougar there, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been here since uh, my entire life. I've seen tons of bears, coyotes, deer. Um, it's very common for the residents of Ammor and Belcarra, but uh, cougars. That was that was very uh, very scary. That was only my my, my second encounter.
0: And so, I guess no sign, or or did you look and and see if there was any sign of Diaz?
4: Yeah, so he still had his collar and his leash on uh when, when the cougar took him. Um there was uh, an officer there that uh, uh responded immediately. Uh in Amwar we don't have police. They respond out of uh Coquitlam. So two officers out of Coquitlam responded quite quickly and one conservation officer uh with uh, very big guns um, to go to go get this. As uh this is uh I think there was another attack with a leash dog in uh in the Port Moody area on the tenth.
0: Right. And do you know, have they found anything as far as the leash or the collar or have any idea where the cougar may have taken Diaz?
4: Um, I I have an idea, and I think the officers have an idea. It it was right near a green belt, uh, kind of underneath a power line trail uh, that goes um, south um, uh, in in Amor. So there's a green belt that he could have uh, traveled along there. but they they do uh they are calling in resources as as if not just a pet you know this this dog was going to serve our our community and to help find missing people uh they they said they were going to call in the hounds uh from Fort St. John and they said uh they were using their flurs to detect heat last night to to maybe see if they could find uh, tr- any traces of heat with the uh the dog or Cougars.
0: Uh, in the meantime i would imagine you're kind of recovering from from doing this from having this happen uh you mentioned too and we've been talking about the fact that there have been some other uh, attacks and close calls what advice do you have for people who are walking their dogs who have small pets and animals in that area
4: um that's a great question it's hard hard. you know my whole life i've heard about these encounters and i've always just thought oh i always have a pocket knife on me or always carry bear spray but um any advice, I guess the, the matter of fact is that whether it's on a leash or off the, off a leash, um, um, you don't really stand a chance. Uh, these cougars are huge. They're vicious. They will come after you. They'll come after uh, your pets. Um, it was super quick. It, you know, it was about a 45 second fight, but as far as advice, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'd say keep it on a leash, but even on a leash, obviously, uh, two attacks this week in the Port Moody and more area, um, I don't know you could try to carry um something, but uh, you know it jumped out of the bushes at me and I had uh, seconds to react and the only thing I was able to do was kick it and uh, and scream for help. but uh, if you had a pocket knife or bear spray or anything, um, I don't know um, how much uh, you you could really do with such an event uh, you know an aggressive animal.
0: did you have those things with you last night?
4: I did not have no. a knife. I usually do carry a pocket knife uh, on me living in, in a village, but um, I did not have uh, bear spray or anything with me.
0: It's it's good advice because you're right. I think people, and we even hear from experts saying to take bear spray and to be prepared, but when it happens so quickly, how on earth do you, unless you're standing there ready and expecting it, you only, like you said, you only have a few seconds.
4: Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, I had both hands on on, on the leash, and, and I was holding, I was playing tug-of-war, uh, with Diaz at the end of the leash and uh, the cougar on the other side of it for probably 45 seconds. And, you know, if I took one hand off the leash to grab a knife or bear spray, I, I wouldn't have been able to hold him back. So even if you did have bear spray or uh, or a knife, you, you still don't stand, stand a chance at all.
0: How big was this cougar, do you think?
4: Um, I talked with the experts, uh, with a conservation officer, and there was other neighbors around the area that... Uh, Uh, long-time hunters, and they were all looking at the paw prints, um, and they were saying it was a good 120 pounds.
0: Well, uh, Isaac, I'm so sorry again for your loss and for the loss of Diaz. Uh, I'm glad you're okay, and uh, I'll let people know there's a GoFundMe page uh, to try and continue with your dream of of getting uh, this service dog, a search dog, in the community. Thank you so much for talking with us today.
4: Thanks for your time. Yeah, I hope uh, me and, and and a new uh, canine are able to serve the community one day soon.